Thank you for listening to First Ferry United Methodist Church's podcast. This week, we continue our series, Real Life, Real Relationships. And now here's Martha with our message. Our scripture this morning is from the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John. These are words that Jesus himself is speaking to his disciples, beginning in verse 12, uh, verses 12 through 17. I invite you to hear these words from the Gospel of John. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commandments so that you may love one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What is it that you think of when you hear the word friends? Perhaps it's... Chuck just said the TV show. Perhaps it's Joey, Rachel, Monica, Ross, Phoebe, Chandler, that whole crew from the 90s sitcom Friends. In that particular show, it's a, it's a comedy, but what we see in that show is usually a group of friends who are lounging in the coffee shop, but what they do is they essentially do life together. They laugh, they cry, they share life together. Or perhaps when you think of the word friends, you think of those select few people in your life, the one whom you call first when the, when the deepest struggle hits, or the one who you want to share the joy with first. Perhaps those are who you think of when you think of friends. But how about, how many of those do we really have? How many people are we really willing to share our deepest, deepest struggles with? The addictions, the shame, the infidelities. When we ask it that way, we might realize that what we call friends may actually be acquaintances. Those who we associate with, but not who we're really going to get into an intimate, deep relationship. And then we have social media that complicates the word friend. If I look at my Facebook, according to Facebook, I have more than 500 friends. The irony of that is that I am an off-the-charts introvert. And people who know me best know that the idea of spending time with 500 of my closest friends probably sends me into a full-on panic attack. Then there's this role that many of us have called a coach. Yes, a coach is something that we do in sports, but many of us are, are enlisting professional coaches in our professional life. I have one. I actually pay her money to hold my feet to the fire when it comes to ministry and leadership, but she calls me friend. Does that sound like the definition of a friend? Someone who I pay to hold my feet to the fire. The point of all of that is this. 
Our lives are full of friendships and acquaintances. Some of those we are intimately connected to in relationships, and some are what we might call on the fringe, on the peripheral of our lives. Some of those relationships we probably, and rightly so, put a little more effort into than others. But all of those relationships can play a role in how we stay connected to Jesus, in how we experience God's love, and how, if at all, we share the love of Jesus with others. We are in our fourth week today of a sermon series that we're calling Real Life, Real Relationships. If you have missed the previous sermons, or if you, like me, you forget from week to week and you want to go back and listen to the other sermons, you may find them on our website at ffumc.org, or if you are a podcast listener, your favorite podcast app has them as well. Just search for First Farragut United Methodist Church. But the premise of this series is that oftentimes we in the church, or we followers of Jesus, have often been guilty of living two separate lives. There's the faith-based life in which we attend worship, we pray, we do all of those things, and we serve in our faith-based life. But everything else, what we call real life, where we work, where we play, where we have entertainment, where we do sports, where we interact with people, we view that as something separate. And then oftentimes when we have those two separations, or that separation of our faith-based life and our, quote, real life, we wonder why we still experience an emptiness or an unfulfilled, or a, a, a being unfulfilled in our daily life. Real life in order to experience the abundant life that Jesus said he came to bring, our real life has to meet real relationship. It's relationship with God and relationship with people that will heal our brokenness and our emptiness. There is a method to the madness in the way we're putting together this sermon series, and we started by looking at the fact that we were created for relationship with God and with others, then we looked at what we call the common denominator in every single relationship that, that you have is you and every relationship that I have is me. Last week we looked at the role of the church. That somehow historically we've come to realize that the church is about learning and serving and outward serving in charities and food and clothing and so forth. But what we saw last week is that the role of the church is to heal our emotionally and spiritual broken lives. Today we begin to drill down a little bit into what that looks like in real life, how it plays out in our relationships. The scripture that we read from the 15th chapter of John's Gospel is part of what scholars call Jesus' farewell discourse. It begins in the 14th chapter and goes all the way to the 17th. It's Jesus' parting words to his disciples. In fact, when we get to the verses that we read, it's just after Jesus has shared that last meal with his disciples in the upper room. They've left the, the upper room and they've gone out to where we, in other Gospels we see, we see that Jesus prayed. And he is speaking specifically to his closest followers, the 12, actually 11 at this point. He's telling them the most important things that they need to remember. And he gives to them a command. Not an option, but a command. 
when he says to them, you are to love one another as I have loved you. How was it that Jesus loved them and loves us? Jesus loved them, loved them and loves us with a self-sacrificing love. He is almost literally standing in the shadow of the cross when he says these words to them. Not long after he says these words, Jesus is arrested and ridiculed and beaten and then the next day put to death on that cross. He is standing there before them, showing them that he loved them with a self-sacrificing love. He loved them more than he feared or dreaded death on the cross. It was a love that accepted them and us just as they are, just as we are, as I like to say, thorns, horns, and all. But it was also a love that with the resurrection said, I love you too much to allow you to stay that way. I love you too much to allow you to keep living with the thorns and the horns that we live with. It was a love that challenged them and us to look beyond their unfulfilling lives of just going through the motions, of going to work, of raising the kids, of paying the bills. It was a love that challenged them to go beyond that into a life of purpose. It was a love that looked at them that said, yeah, you're a mess, but I'm willing to enter into the messiness of your life, help you clean that up, and experience the redemption and the abundant life that Jesus rose from the grave to give us. And Jesus says to them, I command you to love others that way. Do we do that? Three times Jesus uses the word friends in the passage that we read. This is where our perception of friend may be a little off base compared to what Jesus is speaking about. If we go and look at the Greek, the original translation, which quite frankly takes a geek like me to go and do, we'll see that there's a progression in the meaning of the word friends that Jesus uses in these, passage, in these words. He says, no one has greater love than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. That first use of the word there, if we just look at some really detailed nuances, really just means an associate, and a, a companion. More in line with what we might call an acquaintance, not an intimate friend, not quite the person that we would actually sacrifice a whole lot of anything for. Jesus said very few people will do that. But that's what Jesus did for us. And he's saying we need to be willing to do the same. To do the same requires some adjustments in our own lives. This is where we talked about the common denominator a couple of weeks ago comes into play. When we think in terms of wanting to be healthy, whether it be lose weight or just feel more energetic and healthy, we all know what it takes to do that. It's called diet and exercise. We want a healthy life, but to do the work when the rubber meets the road is a whole different animal altogether. The same thing holds true for our world. I'm convinced that all of us want our world to be better. 
I don't think any of us pick up our phones and look at our social media feeds or look at the TV and think, oh, I enjoy this bickering and this bitterness and the division that we see. None of us enjoy it. All of us want it to be better. But are we willing to do the work to make it happen? Are we willing to sacrifice our own desires, our own time, our own opinions? To do that requires the self-sacrificing love that Jesus commands us to do. Then Jesus continues on and he says, I no longer call you servant, but I call you friend. This time the word friend does mean that intimate, deep relationship. Not those we have on the peripheral or the fringes of our lives, but those to whom we bear all. Those to whom we would bear our soul and still be loved and accepted. The command to love one another includes how we relate to one another in all levels of our relationships. We like to think that we can fix ourselves or that we can heal ourselves. But God uses people in relationship with other people to heal people. There's a book by pastor and author Darius Daniels. It's entitled Relational Intelligence. It's, it's, it's an easy read. I recommend it if you're looking for something to read. It's a relatively easy read. But the book is born out of his own struggles of trying to figure out how to navigate relationships in his own life. And he identifies four categories of relationships. Now the titles that he uses for those categories of relationships may be hard for some of us to swallow, but remember that all of them are born out of a love for each other. But of those four categories, the first one that he lists is called friendship which means an intimate relationship, an accountable almost relationship, the ones to whom the cold, hard truth is given to us, not to be confused with our social friends, which actually might be what we call his next level, the associate. He calls that a tweener relationship, not quite a deep, intimate relationship with someone we know, but also one that we know but not willing to invest the time or the desire to go into a deeper connection. I would think that most of our relationships probably fall in that category. Then he goes on and he calls some relationships assignments. That's where it may be a little hard to understand. The assignment relationship is a trainee or a mentee or, or, or an advisee. It's someone in whom we invest our time, our energy, and our emotion into. Jesus did this with his 12 and then the closer three, James, Peter, and John. And it's the role of the church to invest in people in this way. It's this role that we need more of in the church And then finally, Darius Daniels talks about the fourth category, advisors. People to whom we allow into our lives to guide us, to advise us. Those are those those mentors, those spiritual advisors or the professional coaches. They're the people whom we give permission to probe and to prod us, to challenge us. We find examples of those types of relationships throughout the Bible. 
And at any given time in Jesus' ministry, we can see that all four of those categories applied to the way Jesus interacted with people. Jesus loved everyone when he interacted with them. But the way in which he interacted varied sometimes. The point is this. Relationships are critical to our own personal growth as followers of Jesus and to the growth of the kingdom of God. The questions for us to ponder as we think about these types of relationships is are we being intentional about seeking out people to speak the truth to you, to me, to us? Not people who would just agree with us, not people who would say what we think, what they think we want to hear, but people who will speak the truth to us. Who are the people in your life who have permission to call you out when it's needed? And if we think that we don't need to be called out, odds are those people are missing from our lives. At any given time or from time to time in our lives, all of us need to be called out on something in a loving, safe way. Where are you being intentional about investing in other people? Those would be the assignments that Daniel's used in his book. Where are we being intentional about investing in others? I'm excited, as is Chuck and Paige and others on staff, that we are working on a new youth ministry model. We have several adults in our congregation who have accepted the responsibility and the commitment to help guide some of our youth in small groups. Yes, it's going to take time. Yes, it's going to require some vulnerability, probably going to require being silly at some point too. But investing in our youth is not just something we do because Chuck asked or I asked or whoever asked. It's a call from Jesus. We're also working on a shepherding group, trying to find there are some folks in our congregation who are willing to give up their time to invest in the congregation, to check in on people, to call them, to pray for them. It doesn't seem like much. And it may be a little awkward at first, but it's the call of Jesus to love one another. We should ask ourselves, where are we being intentional about entering into relationship with people who aren't like us? Whether it be different from you or me socioeconomically, whether it be a different ethnicity, different political views, where are we intentionally seeking out relationship with people who are different from us? If our division is to ever be bridged, we have to be willing to sacrifice our own desires, our own opinions to get to know each other. Dare I use Jesus' words, to love one another as Jesus loved us. Every single relationship we have, whether it be a deep, intentional relationship or something on the peripheral of our lives, every single relationship we have presents an opportunity to experience the love of God and to share it. People in relationship with other people is God's plan A for healing us. 
We can read all the books we want. We can do all the Bible studies we want. We can serve in all the places we want with giving out food and clothing and all of those things. But until we enter into intentional relationship with God and with each other, we will always wonder, is there something more? Where are you being intentional about your relationships in your life? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us next week for an incubator for change. We'll demonstrate when real relationships meet real life, true growth and healing in all aspects of our lives begin. See you then.